Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and ghouls, step right up. Behind this curtain lies a ghastly concoction of delight, horror, fantasy, and terror. Your every wish is our command. Your every whimsical desire brought to life. But I'm warning you, there's always a price. Welcome to the greatest Welcome back, everybody, to the greatest show on earth that is Talking Terror. As always, I'm your old pal, the King of Horror, Andy G, welcoming you back. Tonight, we're going to be talking about the Demonic Dean's film pick of the week, 1987 Summer Camp Nightmare, directed by Burt L. Dragon. So, we have that to look forward to later on in the show. And there is that ticking noise again. Wonder where it's coming from. Don't know, but we're going to have to move on. As always, I'm joined by the bold and beautiful, the gold geekies. Tick, tick, tick away. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just, I'm, I'm running uphill right now. Have a ticking. Somebody is seriously masturbating right now. Just cranking it. My, my bad. <laughs> wow. Sapping. Oh. All right. <laughs> Glad to have you with us, Joel. Oh, they came. I think they came. Oh, no. I think they're done. I don't hear them anymore. And it showed that the Dean just drops it. It was him. It was him that was strapping away. Uh oh. Caught you. (laughs) Dick stroking motherfucker. (laughs) He's just so excited to talk about Summer Camp Nightmare. We just caught him stroking it before the show. (laughs) But we're also joined by the psychotic Simeon, the Mad Monkey, the Prince of my Morse Day. Yes. Get funky with the Mad Monkey. There we go. Yep. All right. Yeah. Okay. So, welcome to Talking Terror, the best goddamn podcast there is. Yep. We talk about horror. We talk about nerd news. We talk about it all. But yeah, all of us here at the Talking Terror crew bring you to you the best goddamn horror podcast there is in all the land. So listen live. Listen post recorded. Just listen fucking often. Hey, share it with your loved one. Share it with your mama. Share it with your boss. We don't care. Just spread the love and get the word out there because we need some fucking sponsors. <laughs> Oh, fuck yeah, we do. <laughs> my, my padded studio, my padded studio is just looking rough over here. <laughs> Shit's falling down. There's Johnson's getting all pissed off because I just keep ripping this shit off the walls, and we ain't got no money to put new shit back up. But fuck it, we'll just roll with it. This is what we do on Talking Terror. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I mean we do have a great sponsor in Bonfire B Designs, which we'll plug later on in the show. They gave us that pick of Beastmaster last week, so we got one. We just need a couple more. Be great. Shudder, yeah. looking at you. And if, I always and if talk you about you. Carefully, if you listen carefully between breaths, you can hear the monkey taking a nice deep intake of whatever that wonderful white powder is that they give him in the mental institution. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, baby. Okay, moving on. Let's yeah, you ever notice that? <laughs> he wants to go skiing before he comes on air. He's always just hitting the slopes. That's a very good thing. Just rapid fires. It's a long fucking paragraph. But Jesus, that was like a 15-minute speech and you over it in 30 seconds. Yeah, me and Sam Kennison, that's how we used to roll back in the day. Puppeteer, Branko King, coming soon. 
we do a we distribution got the good center near you. After they, first we're gonna come up with our own brand of weed, and then we're gonna come up with our own brand of cocaine. <laughs> okay. Well, Kevin Smith could come up with his own weed. We can't do. We come up with our own well, strains. Yeah. yeah, each of us can have our own strain. You know, to, to, to do different things. All right. So the deans would sit there and calm you the fuck down and put you right to fucking sleep, all right? The ghouls would make you horny as fuck and make you want to fuck all the time. Mine would just make you hyper as shit, and I guess the kings would just make you antisocial as fuck. <laughs> and yet still yeah. horny as fuck. Oh, ouch. <laughs> 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 it would just make you hate people want to masturbate a lot. <laughs> You know I love you, brother. <laughs> oh, I know. But you're not wrong. <laughs> you are not wrong. It would just make you hate everybody and want to masturbate a lot. Yeah, that's all. <laughs> you know. And then go watch our movies. So, uh, and then I, yell at people I, I, who have a different opinion. I know we're waiting for the dean to get on and all this and that. Um, I do want to just say... You know, real quick, real early in the show here, I think for it's, it's, it's one of the rare times that all four of us agree on, on a certain situation that is going on in the world right now. And I do want to say no that doubt, we man. here at Talking Terror do completely 100% support all of the protests that are going on right now, you know, all behind this George Floyd incident. You know, right now there is absolutely utter horrible injustice that is going on in the world, and the people do need to rise. They do need to stand up. That doesn't mean they need to bash door windows in and steal shit, but stepping up for what you believe in, getting out in those fucking streets, and getting out there and protesting, that is what this country is all about. You know, stand up. Do it right. There's nothing wrong with standing up to a bully. No. We're not hiding any bunkers. We're telling you straight to your ears. (laughs) <laughs> you know about what we feel about it. We don't like to get political all the time, obviously, but this time I think it's perfectly fine. You know that uh, we do say kind of early that if you're out there and protesting and if you're angry about what's going on, then motherfucking vote this November. Just fucking do it. Just put that vote down and make it right. That's all. Yeah. If you don't like the way that the world yeah. is right now, there's a way that you could change it, and that's by voting. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, make your voice heard, and if you don't like the way it is, you know. Do your bit to change it. That that's all there is to it. Show up, be be accounted for, and make your shit count. Mm-hmm. We're not going to take it anymore. Twisted Sister said it best, and we're not. <laughs> we're definitely going to make our voices heard. Got to call in the clap. Yes, yeah, you know? totally. If I could change the world. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I remember that song from back in the day, off of the Phenomena soundtrack. <laughs> Uh, yes, I can hear you, Dean. Can you hear us? Oh, wow. He was here for a second. I did hear the faint tones of the demonic Dean. All right. Well, but, in the meantime, while the while the Dean's trying to figure out whether or not he can get onto the show, I'm just going to bring up some quick news just because lately, Kate, you, you've been uh, nailing some awesome swag at the store, like adding to your collection of action figures and horror figures and stuff like that. And it's just, and it's because all of these things that we discussed early in the year that were scheduled for March release, you know, are finally being released now. They're finally coming out in stores. You know, you, you go to your target, you go online, any CA is putting out a shitload of awesome figures that are available right now, you know, because of 
uh, yeah, because of all the ultimate figures that you got from NECA. Um, yeah, and then the Candyman figure is finally out. The ultimate pinhead figure is finally out. Um, and then, I didn't even know this, they put out an ultimate Sam figure from Trick or Treat, which I'm going to be fucking buying real fucking soon. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, I showed you that. Yeah. Pretty impressive. Yeah. But then also, scheduled for August, NECA has now acquired the rights to the Back to the Future uh, 1, 2, and the uh, cartoon series. Really? Okay. So, yeah, so in Not August, three? they're going to be putting – no, they, no, I'm getting there. I don't see anything for 3. But, um, yeah, they're going to be releasing a 6-inch die-cast DeLorean that looks sweet as hell. They're going to be releasing a four-figure set for the animated series. Then they are going to be releasing seven-inch Marty McFly, Ultimate Marty McFly from Back to the Future 1, and then an Ultimate Marty McFly from Back to the Future 2, complete with hoverboard. And and even Biff is getting an Ultimate action figure in this series, too. So, yeah, just like the usual, just like the usual treatment that they give for NECA figures that the king shows me, you know, that are in the packages, they come with multiple heads, lots of fun accessories, and these figures just look really well sculpted. And these are all scheduled for release in August of this year. Oh, that is very cool. Yeah, I'll definitely be looking into those figures. I don't know if I would purchase them for the horror layer that I have, but uh, NECA always puts out good products. So... If you pick that up, you're definitely not going to be disappointed. Um, I know that the Hellraiser Ultimate figure is available at Walmart now. So I just found it uh, this past week at Walmart. They have the Ultimate uh, Hellraiser figure for uh, twenty nine Now, was the Ultimate, was it actually cloth, or did they nix that and went with a molded um, lower half or pinhead? Uh, the, the lower half has a little bit of uh, cloth. Uh, effect to it, uh, but the rest okay. of it is molded. It's a skull, it's a oh, mold, okay. until you get to the lower half, where it's like the apron that uh, he has. So, But the rest of it uh, is just molded, sculpted, oh, with a ton of accessories, so it looks great. Sweet! Can you hear me? <clears throat> yes, hey, hello, Dean! it's the Dean! <laughs> Am I here? Welcome to the show, Dean! Yes, you are! Yes! <laughs> Alright, how, 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 how does my audio sound right now? Sounds good to me. No ticking, no nothing. Sounds good. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. No, so I, had no ticking. I figured out my issue. My, my, my cable for my main microphone, like the, where it connects, like it's a removable cable from the base of the microphone, because uh, I use like a traditional microphone setup. My cable has gone bad. I figured it out. So I have to just order a new mic oh. or a new mic cable. So Don't I drink get into it. I'm drinking wine <laughs> tonight. Thank you. Yeah, she always drinks wine. I don't drink beer anymore. He's I a wine boy now. Oh, okay. <laughs> I thought you just you switched to wine now. I thought that was your thing. I drink everything, man. I don't discriminate between alcohol. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we were just talking about the NECA uh, figures. I actually did pick up two Toonie Terrors for the lair. So I got my Pennywise and I have a Jason. So I added two new additions to the horror family of my Winchester apartment. So. You'll have to see them when you come over on Friday, monkey. I will be there. <laughs> and I Frankenstein together my uh, Friday part two, Jason. Because the monkey knows that it was missing a hand. So I grabbed some super glue and 
went to work on it the other night. And so I fixed it up, gave it a new weapon. Fucking rips. Looks like brand new. So I had a little bit of a Frankenstein workshop with my figures, and I gave it a base. So it should be presented very nicely on my Jason shelf of my uh, action figures. Cool about that base. Old. <laughs> Hell yeah, I am. Yeah. Fucking base is rule. Okay, you go. That's row one of the once again. <laughs> they don't fucking move. They stand in place. So it's very cool. I, I love those NECA stands. But uh, so yeah, that's that's uh, what I have going on. But uh, Dean, now that you're with us, uh, are you ready for our news? You need a second. Are you ready to go? No, no, I've been I've been ready to go, man. I was logged in like a couple minutes early, and you guys were all bullshitting in the in the waiting room, and I was like even like added some comments, but weren't necessarily comments that uh, you know required a response, and I didn't even know that I wasn't being heard. So. Uh, it wasn't until I guess we were live, and then I was like, oh, okay, this, thing, "This is the same the same problem as last week." And um, but now I'm good to go. Um, here we are uh, for horror news. If this is the time, uh, if there's nothing else pressing that anybody needs to talk about in this fucking cracked out, fucking crazy ass time that we're living in. Yeah, indeed. Well, well, we, we did that already. So, you know, here we are once again. Yep. And we're ready for horror news. All right, then. So, uh, you know, not necessarily horror news per se, but something we've been talking about uh, on the show before because we're all fans and uh, we know that the third installment is on the way in some fashion uh, down the line. But it is graduation season right now in schools across the land. And, uh, you know, every school has a graduating class, including uh, the very real San Dimas High School and uh, Bill... S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan uh, sent out a, uh, a video to graduation message to the San Dimas High School class of 2020, uh, spreading their good vibes of being excellent to each other, which obviously is much needed in this time and place. Uh, but you yeah. can see that. Uh, you can see that online uh, in character, Bill S. Preston Esquire and Ted Theodore Logan uh, delivering, uh, graduate, de- delivering remarks to the graduating class of San Dimas High School uh, class of 2020. That's awesome, that's awesome man. Cool. <laughs> Very neat. I wonder what percentage of, I mean, I, I mean, you must know because it's the fucking high school, but I was, I was curious as to like what percentage of kids in the class of 2020 have seen Bill and Ted's excellent adventure. Pretty I'm pretty well. sure it's a, especially because it's specifically that school of San Dimas high school football rules. All right. I'm sure it's required viewing. And that's cool to see that movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm going to agree that's, with you. I, I, bet, I bet a lot of people what? see it. I mean, people still watch that movie. Like, like all my students and Bad boys, shit, bad like, boys. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you, King? Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Dean. The one that's thing I'm going to say with that <laughs> is that, uh, you know, you do got to wonder. Um, with the popularity of Keanu Reeves, you know, between John Wick between the oh, yeah. Yeah. constantly, constantly always being in whatever age group zeitgeist, you know, like I know younger guys that I hang out with that are in their early twenties who are all, you know, they love Keanu Reeves, you know, he's got a, a, a huge following for that. So I feel like a lot of them really may have gone back to see some of those older things, especially when they're considered quote unquote stoner comedies in a way, you know, Bill and Ted's the only thing they're missing is the weed, you know? Yeah, the reality is definitely there. Excellent Adventure is one of the greatest movies 
uh, that I have ever watched on LSD. Just putting it out there. <laughs> I remember seeing Bogus Journey in theaters. And, uh, yeah, Same here. That's, that's, that's a weird one. You know, I, I know it's, yeah. it's one that I have to revisit. I haven't watched it anywhere near as many times as I've watched Excellent Adventure. I love Excellent Adventure. Like, put it this way. When I got Bill and Ted on Xbox, you know, I ended up just getting Excellent Adventure. Like, I could have gotten the two-pack the two with Bogus Journey for probably, like, six or seven bucks. Before, and I was like, nah, I, just, I don't even want that. You know, I just went with the one. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's the definitely more horror centric. That's that second one. <laughs> definitely All right, more so horror centric. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Dean, what else you got, man? Uh, Jaws, you know, favorite of everyone, is uh, having its forty-fifth anniversary. Forty-fifth anniversary. They have a. And then after this, I have a question, and maybe one of you can answer it uh, for me. Uh, but they're having a like a big uh, 4K uh, restoration Blu-ray uh, that's supposedly uh, 2160p Dolby Vision UHD. Uh, supposedly the print, with, with, with the exception of literally like a second of screen time here and a second of screen time there, is virtually uh, blemish-free completely. Um, colors. Uh, people like supposedly this is the this is the the deal this is the one so uh, my question to you guys is because uh, you know I have a Blu-ray player that's in my you know part of my PS3 uh, but that's yeah. really it like I don't have any other uh, watching devices for actual uh, media I don't, have a, I don't have a, a DVD or a, a, like is this this 4K stuff just because I don't know uh, this is the stuff that like when you watch it. Uh, like it, it's when it like all of a sudden it doesn't look like a movie anymore. It looks like it's real. Like like they're standing right outside the window. Am I correct in that yeah. assumption? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. yeah. I think I think you okay. Cool. I think you're the best to explain this one, man. Because you're you're the okay. TV dude. So listen, you're gonna go to the store. And that's what they're gonna tell you. They're gonna tell you yes, that thing that you're seeing on the display right there, that is absolutely a 4K television, and that's why it looks so good as it does. But they are not being completely 100% honest with that. The reality is this. The 4K picture, a beautiful picture, yes, of course it is. It's a very nice, very clear picture. I've got two 4K televisions. The big number that you're looking for, and what I didn't get with my two 4K televisions, you want your hertz to be higher. The higher your hertz the better your picture's going to be because that's the refresh rate of the screen. That is the amount of ways the line can draw on your screen. So if you get a TV that's a 60 hertz television, it could be a 4K TV, but at 60 hertz, that picture is not going to look as good as a 4K at 120. And the number that you really want to hit, if you're really looking for that ultimate clarity, that I'm looking out the fucking window, oh my God, this is television that looks like fucking like fake then you want a 240 or higher, and those are expensive televisions still to this day. Put it this way, Dean, the TV that used to be in my bedroom at my house was the uh, was a 240 hertz television. Right. Not the big one that was in the living room. Not the big one in the living room. The wall hung one in, that, in the bedroom, 
and that was the kind of picture that you fucking watch it, and your eyes, it takes a while to adjust to it, because it looks so real that it looks fake. And that is almost like, yeah. a, it's like a weird trick of the eye. It almost like annoys you, because it's yeah. like, you almost want that old-style glare of a TV, because mm. it just doesn't look real. Yeah, that's, I remember, you know, I was with my brothers in Florida, loading almost and, uh, you know, he, he definitely has a TV like that, and I didn't know. And I was just, like, flipping channels on cable, and I was like, oh, shit, look, Jason Confuse is on. And, like, I couldn't believe what I was watching, you know, and Nicole was with me, we were watching it, and we were like, what the fuck is going on on this television? Like, it, it looked like you were standing in it, like, it was so fucking real. Uh, you know, I couldn't, I really, it was like the, so... When I see this stuff like 4K like and Ultra HD and all of this, I just, you know, like I have a, I have like a, you know, HD TV and if, you know, whatever, but like it, it ain't looking like that. So, um, no, you can without having a 4K player, you're not going to be able to to get any of those those benefits. Like my Xbox in my bedroom is a gen like a generation one Xbox One, so it doesn't have the ability to play 4K. So, like, even with the 4K right. television, or if I buy movies digitally that are 4K movies, it still can't play them because the system doesn't process that. It can't. It's just too old. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I wonder if that's going to be the next evolution, though, the whole 4K HD Ultra revolution that's happening, if that's going to be the one that eliminates Blu-rays altogether, and now you can only get 4K HD Ultra. You know, where it's like, well, fuck, how am I going to watch uh, the Blu-rays now? They're not releasing Blu-rays mm-hmm. anymore. Now you have to get it in 4K. Nah, like, ah, fuck. <laughs> you know? Nah, because you buy that and you get fucking digital DVD, Blu-ray, 4K, all in one fucking box, all for the same price. So if they're yeah. still willing to put the media yeah. out that way, they're not going to change it up. Too many people yeah. invested into the DVD industry. So, like, right now, as much as they may want to put stuff out that is higher end, they're not changing right. it completely yet. Yeah, yeah especially because, uh, I've heard, I've heard for the next PlayStation and the Xbox, they're still going to be Blu-ray. They're they're not mm-hmm. jumping up to 4K yet. Well, that's good. Well, they can yeah, play just, 4K. I'm, my Xbox One can play 4K. The one in my living room is an updated Xbox. That's a, it's one of the newer models, so it has the ability to play 4K. It's just the older models couldn't. Okay. And what you're saying is that as far as like the Hertz, you're saying uh, 240, well, not, not the like 120, like the motion rate. That's what you're talking about? But yeah, exactly. So motion, Whoa. again, 120 is a beautiful picture. That's what I have in my house now. But if you yeah. really want something that is like crystal clear, ridiculous type of quality, you want 240. Yeah, if, if you go to Best Buy... The shit they're going to show you is the 240 TV. You know? Yes, and then they're, they're going to yeah. sell you the 240. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but but like if you can get like a 120 or a 144, like I know for gaming monitors, those are pretty good. Yeah, again, I, I don't have problems with the 120s that I have. They're 4K, they're 120s. I'm I'm happy with the picture. Um, you know, I didn't want to have to pay fucking you know two grand. <laughs> Or higher for a 240. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah I'm looking at all this now because I'm trying to shop for a monitor for my son for his computer. So, yeah, I'm starting to learn all this shit about fu- fucking 4K and megahertz and all that kind of shit, too. <laughs> yeah, co- computer <laughs> monitors are a little bit different, too. So, you know, with that, you want to definitely do your homework, you know? 
<laughs> yeah. All right. So what else you got, Dean? So we also have uh, Ridley Scott uh, is wants to get back into the alien business. Uh, he is looking to make an a, a prequel to Alien uh, that strictly explores the xenomorphs. Well, okay, so what you're, you are you saying uh, exclusively animorphs and then no human interaction? Uh, there's not much more information than that, but it wa- like his focus wants to be on the um, on the xenomorphs. So. Uh, he's Good. calling it like a third alien sequel. Um, he thinks there's still a lot of mileage in Alien, but he thinks he now needs yeah. to uh, re-evolve. Um, King, King, I believe you, you know, put up an article uh, on Talking Terror page. Did you get any backstory at all on what you found, possibly? No, what the Dean's saying is right. I mean, technically it is a third prequel. Because he did Prometheus, so then he came out with Alien Covenant, which I think is the better of the two, uh, comparing Prometheus to Alien Covenant. But he wants to oh. do a third prequel that would I, – I, I will stand by that. I will die on that hill. <laughs> but he, uh, he wants to do a third prequel <laughs> that explores why the xenomorphs are. Like, why are the eggs there? Why the engineers are there? So he does want to do kind of a third prequel where it, just, it further engages the story of the xenomorphs, going more into why it exists, what created it, why is it there, why are there all these eggs – um, but that's it. But yeah, I'm sorry, Gold. <laughs> Prometheus was such no, a bore no, for me. Good. I, I just sorry. I love Alien Covenant. That was just a knee-jerk reaction. No, I, you know what? Listen, I like Prometheus. I like Alien Covenant. Out of the two, I preferred Prometheus. I feel like it was a uh, a better side story to the world of Alien, whereas Alien Covenant tried too hard to try to marry those two worlds and fell kind of flat. I like the world building they were doing with Prometheus better, both literal and figurative. Um, I don't think they need to go any yeah. deeper in explaining anything about the Xenomorphs than they actually already did. I mean, once you start trying to explain away this mythology, it's just going to make it worse. It's going to complicate and things for sure. I mean, yeah. Just leave some mystery. Let, let let it be there. You know, we don't need everything explained. Let us wonder. Let us come up with our own theories. Oh, yeah, absolutely. But it's really Scott. He's always trying to get that third alien. He just he wants to get it in. And that's why he said no, he wants he's it trying to, to get that money. That's all that is. <laughs> it's not like he's money. dying to tell the story. <laughs> I, I always heard that the third one he wanted was so that he could really get it almost like up to the to the wall with bringing Ripley in. Like, basically, the way this third yeah. one would end yep. would literally be where the first Alien film picks up. Yeah, that's what he was trying okay. to do. Yeah, exactly. He was trying to kind of bookend it, you know, so that he could just go yeah, right into the original Alien. Yeah, okay, but, but on the flip side, though, it's like, why can't you just keep building Alien stories that, okay don't have to be prequels. You can just keep building random alien stories, and you don't have to involve Ripley. You can just keep having good scary monster stories. Yeah. yeah I, I would definitely be okay with not having Ripley. I think that Alien Resurrection was just kind of bad, you know, but you know, it, it's that the mythology's there. Where you can expand yeah, the universe I, without the prequel. 
I mean, I think, you know, yeah, with Ripley, you have one of those iconic film characters who is made so even more because of the fact that she's a female, she's a she, um, mm-hmm. you know. Again, yeah, I'm not arguing that. An enemy that is just ridiculous. Remember, we're humans. You know, unfortunately, even though we think that we're the center of the universe, we, we, we fail to remember that it's millions upon millions of years old. So the idea of making like any of these films and saying, hey, let's set it 600 years in the future, mankind still exists and these fucking aliens are doing something else or, or any number of other possible options just seems crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, that's just talking about real life, too where I've said that for the longest time, I much would rather put belief into aliens than I ever would put into ghosts. The universe is so fucking massive. How are we the only intelligent life form? We can't be. Or I know. No, you know, what you, you know what you haven't seen? King, you need to see Final Fantasy, The Spirits Within, and then you'll truly understand that the two are married. Ghosts and aliens are, are actually Don't one you- and the same. Don't you tell anyone to watch it, the spirits within, you evil, evil son of a bitch. <laughs> but you're that's just mean, for... I don't know what I don't know what you're talking about, monkey. I mean, not uh, I'm not talking about Final Fantasy, but that's been said for a long time that there is a correlation between ghosts and aliens, and I don't believe that shit. I just I don't believe in ghosts, but I do believe that there are aliens out there and. Just, you know, there's so much fucking universe that has been unexplored. So I'd much rather believe that than the ookie spookies that might be haunting your house. <laughs> get out. Get out. No, you get out because you're not paying rent, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> you get out and go to fucking hell or heaven, wherever you are. You're not paying rent here. <laughs> Pay my electric bill and you can stay. <laughs> well, on my house. <laughs> Don't pay rent. It's got to move. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, get the fuck out. You slamming doors in my house? I don't think so. Unless you sign in some checks. I'm not going to turn my lights off and on. Mm-hmm. You better not be fucking my deposit either. I saw what you did to the walls. What's with some blood shit? I'm going to have to pay for that. <laughs> now you Jeez, get some research and a fucking sponge and you clean that fucking shit up. <laughs> <laughs> stop writing on my walls. I don't like it. That's your pain. <laughs> you better stop. Better get yourself a notepad. Fucking <laughs> 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 okay, Sorry, Dean. What else you got? <laughs> uh, Cinemark has announced a multi-phase uh, reopening oh, of their Goldberg. theaters. Uh, they've given a. You can be out of this, man. She's great. Uh, they've given a uh, a flexible reopening date of June 19th. Uh, okay. At the start, uh, they're going to be operating at what they say 50% capacity to start. Um, you know, overall box office o- across the board for 2020, when all is said and done, is expected to be at least 50%. Uh, down to previous years, uh, but Cinemark is looking to get get the ball rolling again. Uh, you know, possibly in June. Um, I have to say, just uh, with everything going on in the world right now, uh, you're not hearing much on the news about about uh, 
about COVID anymore, but it's still out there, and I feel that uh, yeah. you know uh, you're going to be hearing about cases with the amount yeah. of people that are out in the streets these days. So I wouldn't yeah. be holding um, my breath on uh, Cinemark yeah. uh, right yeah. now. Um, D- Dean, uh, not trying to be rude, but what is Cinemark? I think they own Regal. What's that? They no, own Regal no, Cinemark. It's a movie theater chain. It's a movie theater no. chain. See, I thought they okay. owned Regal Cinemas for some reason. I thought that was Cinemark. No, oh, Cinemark wrong. Theaters. Uh, I believe they have, uh, like, a hand with um, – why can't I think of it? But, yeah, they're just uh, – they're, I think, the third biggest uh, theater chain in the, in the country. Oh, okay. Uh, there's yeah, there's one over in Hazlitt. Um, that theater is a okay. Cinemark theater. There's also one up in the uh, like the Route 22 area. Watch yeah, on. if you if you've heard of like that. Century, like Century Cinemas are uh, Cinemark properties. Cinearts. They got they got 525 theaters. So. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, that's pretty impressive. <laughs> Right, going on theater news, though, unfortunately, uh, AMC is saying that they do not think they can recoup all of this. They think that, like you know, that this is going to be a done deal for them. Is the, oh, the latest news I've heard on them? Yeah, I read that. I heard yeah. saying the same thing too. Wow. So they're done. You know, put them in the graveyard. That, that's horrible. Is that I, to me? That was the biggest change. Yeah. AMC. That was the key, yeah, they're the you biggest, know, I believe. Yeah, and I mean, even Cinemark uh, is saying. Uh, I mean, at least what I'm what I'm seeing here, real quick, is that they're they're figuring they're not going to see a full on return of theaters until 2022. Oh yeah, that's that. I mean, honestly, that is that does sound like a reasonable projection uh, for full on movie theaters, 2022. I mean, I would love it to be 2021, but. You know, I, I would definitely say 2022 is probably more reasonable. But even like the dean had said, yeah. you know, you have all these people that are uh, protesting, uh, and you don't really hear about COVID anymore. But you got to think about the theaters, you know. But then that's Ew. a better place to have social distancing. That, I mean, you can definitely sit, you know, a couple seats apart from people. Yeah, but you know what? I'm also seeing here, Cinemark theaters won't require moviegoers to wear masks. Uh, yeah, mm. I'm good. Thanks. Not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, I would think right, that they but, would require uh, that. But but also, like the dean said, you know, they're not. You know, so many other things are popping up in the news right now. All the craziness is going on in the world that people are forgetting that yeah, COVID is still out there. It didn't go away. You know, people nope. are still dying daily from this thing. You know, and COVID just because protesting? you want to. <laughs> But no. just because you know, just because people want to stop wearing masks and ignore it, doesn't mean it's <laughs> the virus itself is stopping. Nope, still around. <laughs> you know, we shall see. That is for sure. See in a couple of weeks. Yep. You know, what was it? A two to three week gestation <laughs> period. So. Yeah, about that two weeks. It's like a fucking face yeah, hugger. <laughs> Man, I was actually Sorry, trying to find a, a COVID mask that actually looks like a face hugger because I've seen some people make custom ones up there, and I'm ha- having a hell of a time trying to find one that w- that I can actually buy because that would be so awesome to show up into work like that. Because <laughs> <laughs> I got to wear this on your all day long, so <laughs> it's my mask. <best. laughs> 
Okay. So what else you got, Dean? Uh, the uh, Ray Santiago, who played Pablo in uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead, is talking Ash versus the Evil Dead season four, uh, saying that it could once again be a possibility now that uh, Ash versus the Evil Dead has moved off of the cable subscription channel to streaming platforms. Uh, the audience has grown and it's reaching a wider audience. And he says that even though Bruce Campbell has said that he is retired from playing Ash, uh, he feels that, uh, you know, he said, give it, give Bruce Campbell another year or so without the boomstick in his hands. And, uh, he might just be craving to, to pick it up once again. Um, so he is hoping for the possibility of more Ash versus the evil dead. Now that it's, uh, found a new audience and, and, and getting, getting some big time viewing once again. Well, money talks too. (laughs) <laughs> um, no. Now, because uh, um, King, I know you watched all three seasons. I, I still have not watched yeah. all of season three. Um, Gould, mm-hmm. did you watch all of all three seasons? No, I own them. I just never got around to watching them. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even think I've seen. Well, you know what? They had like a flash sale on Xbox the one time, and it was like they were selling each season. I think they sold season one for like a dollar ninety nine, season two for two ninety nine, and then season three for like four ninety nine. So I was like, it's just a no brainer to buy all three. And when I get around to it, I'll get around to it. <laughs> okay. Um. So King, since you watched all three, the way it ended, you said you weren't actually happy with the way it ended, right? Because it left it open for another season. Like, they were definitely aiming it for another season. (laughs) Like, they left it on a cliffhanger where it was like, yeah, dude, we are going for a season four. This is where we're at. Let's fucking go. And then Stars was like, yeah, no, we're not doing it again because the viewership wasn't that great for season three. So, you know, we're not doing it. So, Ray Santiago, who played Pablo, I mean, he is right. You know, is that when it was on Stars, if you didn't have a, a subscription, you couldn't watch it. So when you have it on streaming services that a lot more people have, like Netflix and Hulu, um, things like that, it just it gets more accessible. So it could be possible that another season could be made, but I don't see it happening anytime soon. And I don't see Bruce returning unless there's a good paycheck involved. I guess there was a break in Cali. You still with us, Dean? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, I heard. I guess What's up? I no, I heard there's a 5.1 over in Ranch Rancho Cucamonga. There, Rancho Cucamonga. Do they have fried in Cucamonga? Cheryl's Cheryl's <laughs> Valley. Cheryl's Valley. Oh, the hell that said. Cheryl's uh, Valley. Gotta, South. Yeah, that's got to be like SoCal. Uh, what did you say the uh, looks west of the, the Richter scale count was? 5.1. That's pretty big. Southern California. Really. Yeah, that's SoCal. Yeah, that's, that's, that's down south. <laughs> that's a fucking that's over there, man. For us, that would be like world ending. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, uh, fucking, our that president was, uh, would be hiding in the bunker. Fucking people would be going crazy. <laughs> yeah. you know? That was, uh, you know, we, we, we've had, since I've lived here, which is, uh, you know, a little more than four years now, uh, the like we've had one for certain where we were like, oh fucking shit, that's an earthquake. Um, but but that's that's really it. That's okay, so 
experience. All right, so no, so no, no, no earthquake hit in the Dean Studio. But what else you got for horror news? Uh, it was all the rains long ago to to cover up your eyes in fear of the bird box. And uh, if you are a fan of the bird box, uh, you can uh, continue the adventures this summer, July twenty first. Will uh, be seeing the release of a sequel novel uh, called Mallory, I guess is the name of the main character in Bird Box. And uh, about making making you in the world Marjorie. of Bird Box if that is your uh, if that's your interest. I did not watch Bird Box. I don't really uh, you know have an opinion one way or another, but if you liked it, you can keep on reading. <laughs> <laughs> keep on reading, which is a great advice, but no, I, I remember the bird box phenomena happened real quick, and then it was real quick gone. <laughs> it, it came and it went. <laughs> like everybody's talking about it, and then like a week later, everybody's like, "What the fuck is bird box?" <laughs> like it's amazing how fast that went. That's because yep. that's because Tiger that cause Tiger King showed up and sent no, everybody no, away. <laughs> bird box was way before Tiger King. That was like at least a year or two before Tiger King. So. Which fucking Carol Baskin owns that uh, zoo now. <laughs> the Joey's yeah. Zoo. She's now the owner. So it's like, man, Joe Exotic can't get a break. Carol fucking Baskin. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, it's anyway, it's like, doesn't matter. The, 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 that, you know, Joe Exotic doesn't even own that property anymore. So, you know, it was once owned by Joe Exotic, but now it owns, uh, by, it's now owned by that other guy, uh, Jeff Love. Was Jeff it, Love. That was, was that his yeah. name, Jeff Love? Jeff um, Lowe, yeah, and yeah, he Jeff gave Lowe. it up. Je- Jeff Lowe, my, my, wife, my wife said if vaginal dryness was a person, it would be Jeff Lowe. That's a good expression. <laughs> <laughs> That's accurate. That's on point. We were watching it. I don't know, man. His fucking wife is hot, though, dude. Oh, yeah. But of course he would get that. He's not, man. He's got a, he's got a nice piece of trim. He's like an Ed Hardy t-shirt come to life. <laughs> yes, but that's not too false. <laughs> All right, so moving away from Bird Box, what else do we have, Dean? Uh, what else do we have? We have... The bird vagina. Uh, Kevin James, who's most known uh, for his work in the field of comedy, uh, is stepping into the genre... Uh, with his first um, his first thriller, uh, he's going to be in a thriller slash horror called Becky, um, which is being billed as an ultra violent Home Alone type film. Uh, but uh, it's 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 going a different route with, uh, with release right now because uh, this weekend it's going oh, to be released only into drive-in theaters Sorry. all across the country. Uh, I'm Kevin sorry, James. James what did you Becky say? Is going, I said that Kevin James's uh, upcoming horror thriller Becky is going a different release route. In that this weekend it is going to be released into drive-in theaters all across the country. Oh. Uh, it's going to be released okay. to 14 different drive-ins across the country, including uh, the Delcy Drive-in in New Jersey and multiple drive-ins in Pennsylvania, uh, where you guys are but other drive-ins throughout the country. So they're going to try and get this thing out there uh, in, a, in a different fashion. Yeah, okay. it's an interesting uh, concept, yeah. King, was this the one that Simon Pegg was supposed to do originally, but then he had to drop out? 
Yeah, he was supposed to be the Kevin James character. He was going to be the villain in Becky. And then uh, scheduling conflicts had him back out, and then Kevin James stepped in. I was really looking forward to seeing Simon Pegg play a villain, something that he's never done. And, again, Kevin James hasn't done it either, but I'm not a Kevin James fan. I just think he's so one-note. I can't imagine this is going to be his breakout role. You know, he might do well, but, you know, I just, it's not a, uh, a villain turn I want to see with Kevin James. I mean, yeah. Fucking Paul Blart. But on the, <laughs> yeah, but, okay, but on the flip side, I've seen him act serious in other movies, and I think he can definitely pull this what off. What movie have you like, seen him act serious in? There, yeah, I've seen him act serious in movies, man, and it's just, he, he I think he can definitely nail it. I, well, this must be a movie I've never seen because every movie I've ever seen Kevin James in, he's playing just the, the fun-loving fat guy. So I don't think I've okay, ever seen yeah. him in a serious role. Uh, uh, okay, but even if he's playing the fun-loving fat guy, I've also seen him where he has moments where he is definitely able to sit there and nail that thing about being serious for a moment and being fucking dead on serious. Hmm. Well, I guess I'll have to check out these serious Kevin James moments. <laughs> I can't remember a time I ever saw him play serious. So that's why I was kind of interested to see him and Becky, but at the same time, I think that would be much better suited for Simon Pegg. I'd love to see him go dark side for a movie. Well, yeah, because also Simon Pegg got cut as fuck for this movie too, man. But, you know, yeah, but did. again, he has, you know, like, you know, got cut as fuck. He had, you know, a fucking eight pack for crying out loud. Not just a six pack, he had a fucking eight pack, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then, what yeah, kind of you know, scheduling conflicts, like you said. APAC. <laughs> not not X-Pac. <laughs> not yet. Not, not the DX member. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, Nick Frost is like, I'm happy being me. Go along. <laughs> you know, I, thought you I thought you were talking about aliens again. That was Apone. Sorry. Oh. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> but it'll be, I mean, drive-in is definitely a way to go for a release. That's very cool. That Becky's doing that rather than just going straight to PVOD. Um, all right, so what else do we have, Dean? What else do I have? Uh, the Friday the Thirteenth. A couple new, couple pieces of news in the Friday the Thirteenth uh, universe. Uh, Friday the Thirteenth two writer Ron Curse has passed away on May seventh uh, from sudden heart failure at the age of uh, seventy nine. Yeah, I read about that. That's a bummer. Because he is the one that created he the adult some, He did some uh, rewrites of Friday the 13th, and I believe that some of his uh, rewriting uh, for Friday the 13th is what's led to so much confusion between uh, Victor Miller and Sean Cunningham. Uh, but when they were getting <laughs> up for Friday the 13th Part 2, uh, you know, Ron Curtis was tapped to uh, write that one. Yeah, and also, okay. in the world of Friday the 13th, also involving Friday the 13th Part 2, uh, Amy Steele talking about Friday the 13th, uh, t- so, sorry, talking about Friday the 13th Part 3, uh, said that uh, when going through some old junk, her mother came across uh, some original script pages that had been sent to her uh, when Friday the 13th was first getting put together. And uh, it seems that the original idea for this film was much different than it ended up being. It seems that in these original script pages, uh, Amy Steele's character of Ginny uh, had moved on. And, uh, you know, it's interesting that she's saying this now because it, like, kind of sounds a little bit similar to uh, Halloween 
you know, of the most recent Halloween, but said that the character of Jimmy, Jimmy was now a college student uh, who was suffering from uh, post-traumatic stress disorder and had taken self-defense classes and jiu-jitsu classes, but was kind of like shunned by her classmates and laughed at, um, you know, and basically was kind of living at college kind of like a shut-in. And she said that one night, it was a Friday, uh, her, she went down to do, in the script, the script was written that her character had gone down to do the laundry. Uh, and when she opened up the uh, wash, it, the dryer, um, the, the character of Paul from Friday the 13th, uh, his head was in, in the dryer, uh, which uh, indicated that Jason, Jason was back. And then her and uh, the character of Ted from Friday the 13th uh, Part 2 has to team up to, uh, to stop Jason again. The smartest guy in that fucking movie Part 2. He was a trickster. He should have fucking died. But he's the one that said after the bar, let's go to an after party, y'all. Let's not go back to the camp. Like, that's a fucking genius move right there. That's mm. <laughs> survivor <laughs> move. Well, the whole group. No, like a, today. A hey, so there's a whole bunch of survivors in that movie. Oh, yeah, there's a ton of counselors that survived um, because they decided to go to an after party. But very reminiscent of uh, Friday 13th Part 2 with Paul's head being in the, the laundromat uh, compared to Mrs. Voorhees' head being in the refrigerator at the opening of Friday 13th Part 2. So it's kind of a cool connection there that Jason just has a thing about heads and put in places. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> <laughs> no. But, yeah, when I read about that, Dean, I thought, you know, she has these pages that could go for a bunch of money. Like, you sell that <laughs> you know, to a, a fan. Frame it, you know, and they could have it in their collection. Maybe. She can make some decent money. Oh, fuck maybe, yeah, maybe, man. Maybe, maybe she can. Uh, maybe she will. That's what I would do if I was there. Like, fuck it. Oh. You know? Put it up for auction. <laughs> you know? Auction off these pages of the unused Friday the 13th Part 3 script. You know? Which which would be great. I mean, again, yeah. Ginny Fields, Amy Steele's character from Part 2 was one of my favorites. Just because of, you know, she was so obsessed with Jason. But he was just a little boy. And, you know, he was retarded. And, you know, what about his mom? Like, she just cared so much about wow. this guy until he was actually attacking her. She's like, oh, shit. I, I've got some reasons why I love Ginny. I love Ginny because Ginny pissed herself. That's why I love Ginny. You know, she did. Rare yeah. moments, one of those rare moments in a film in which somebody's so scared that they actually piss themselves, and there you see, like, the, the fucking golden liquid, like, come pouring out, man. Yeah. I love it. It was just such a great little effect. So small of a fucking moment, but so huge in my head as a kid. All because of that fucking mouse. <laughs> because that mouse cried out and all of a sudden pissed. Like, I was like, oh man, that's what's going to make you pee your pants? There's mouse? But also, Friday 13th Part 2 is great because they talk about bears a lot in menstruation. I just I love that fucking line. Uh, girls, girls, remember, you know, if you're, you're menstruating, be, reminder, there's bears out there. So where was the bear? <laughs> I'd love to see the bear come out and fucking attack Ginny at the end of the movie. She comes out of the cabin, and all of a sudden there's a fucking bear. <laughs> Damn it, she's menstruating. Mm. No, that's when we <laughs> had the Jason remake where you have, a, you have uh, Jason fighting a bear, a bear in one scene. <laughs> oh, that would be epic. I'd love to see Jason uh, take down a bear. Jason versus the bear. <laughs> yeah, but, but at the same time, would it be as, as good as when Schwarzenegger fought a bear? <laughs> 
don't think so. Maybe. Yeah, I think it'd be as good as working as fighting a bear. <laughs> <laughs> you never uh, saw that movie where Schwarzenegger actually fought a bear? <laughs> no. Sure, I'm sure I have. I just don't remember it. But yeah, it, I yeah, wouldn't it was his happen. first movie. Her- yeah, it was his first movie, Hercules Comes to New York. And it was just a fucking horrible, horrible scene. <laughs> Hercules Comes to New York. <laughs> yep. Man. And uh, his his um di- his vocals were so bad that he actually had to be dubbed because no one could understand what he was saying. Well, that makes sense because you can't really understand him anyway. Like some of his movies. Put the captions on for this one. <laughs> yeah, but at least at least he's making it into the new Predator game, <laughs> like you said on the talking. Oh, Caribbean. I love it. <laughs> Seeing the aged uh, Dutch for the DLC for Predator Hunting Grounds. <laughs> I'm like, hell yeah, he's back. <laughs> but he wouldn't be in the Predator, which I still stand by as being a good movie. I still like the Predator, you know, the Shane Black one that came out a couple years ago. That's a fun movie. It's just, I don't know. I'll defend that. I'll die on that hill, too. Which, just like I would say on Predator? Predator? Uh, the Predator. Predator? Oh. Yeah, The Predator. That came out like two I, years are ago. You ta- yeah, or, or are you no, talking about Predators? No, he's talking about The Predator. No, The Predator. Yeah, The Predator that Shane Black directed. With, uh, you know, where they have the gigantic fucking Predator. Uh, you know, pumping down I the little Predator. It's a fourth oh, one. It's a fun one. It's on like HBO and a lot of other streaming services, so you might be able to catch it. But it's it's a fun movie. Right. Thomas Jane's in it. Uh, Jordan uh, Keegan Peel or Jordan Keegan Key is in it. So they play uh, Keegan okay. the Loonies. Keegan Michael Key. Key. That's it. I keep fucking mixing them up with Jordan Peel because they had that comedy Key. show. Key and Peel. <laughs> mm-hmm. Keegan Michael Key. Yeah, that's who it is. But uh, yeah, it's a, it's a fun movie. You know, ton of gore. And it just a lot of people didn't like it. I was surprised because it just had a lot of good comedy and a lot of good gore and action in it. Okay. Uh, any any last things you want to squeeze in for horror news, Dean? Sure. Uh, Doug Bradley of Hellraiser fame uh, has created his very own YouTube channel where he is going to be reading. He is going to be reading to us short stories, poetry, as well as delivering some general musings. Uh, but his first offering, which is going to be in several parts, uh, is a reading of Mary Shelley's Frankenstein. So, if you wanted to hear Doug Bradley read Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, uh, you should head over to his YouTube channel, uh, where he will be reading an assortment of stuff. Uh, so, if that's your kind now, of thing, I'd <laughs> Now, uh, you and Ghoul uh, King, you guys got to actually meet him, right? Yeah. yeah. At the first Bizarre AC in uh, Lenny City. Yeah. Does he actually talk like Finhead, or is that like a voice he creates for the character? No, he's a very I chill no guy. Idea. Very calm. Very laid back. He's, very laid back English guy. Yeah. He's a very refined English guy. You know, like when you speak to him, he's got like all of the the typical English things about him that you would expect. Very polite, very soft-spoken, very nice. Um, yeah, he was he was really really a great guest. Um, yeah, I, I you know he's one of those that you, you'll never, or at least yeah I've never seen anything bad said about Doug Bradley at any convention. I think anybody that no. goes there, anybody that has any kind of interaction with the guy, it's always just it's glowing and positive because that's just how he is. 
I mean, my best memory from meeting him at Bazaar AC, I walked up to his table and I was just so amazed because this is fucking Pinhead. You know, it's an iconic character for Hellraiser. And I was like, oh, you know, I love Pinhead. I love the character. I love the fact that you played him for so long. He's like, thank you very much. All right. Uh, you know, you want an autograph? You want a picture? I was like, uh, sure. You know, I'll take an autograph. And, and yeah, let's get a picture. <laughs> so then the ghoul walks over and he goes, uh, how much for a photo? And he's like, oh, it's, it's free, mate. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, dude, I just paid fucking $25 for an autograph. I could have gotten a picture for free. God damn it. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, it's okay. <laughs> I was like, I got an autograph. And I got to meet Doug Bradley. But, uh, yeah, and like the dean has said, he is on his YouTube channel. He did read Frankenstein. The parts are up there. And if you have a chance to watch it, do. Because he has such a great voice for it. He's a great narrator, definitely a great reader. So it's definitely worth checking out. I mean, I'm a huge uh, Doug Bradley that, fan. In that same vein, I can make the suggestion, too. Andy Circus has been reading The Hobbit book. Oh, okay. Uh, and I believe he's also going to do The Lord of the Rings. And he's been doing that, and it has been phenomenal. It is so much that is fun something to check out. Listen, listening to that guy read. <laughs> yeah. you know, he's, he's so amazing. He's, so, he's such a cool dude. Well, if you find the link, put it up on the Talking Terror Facebook page. You know, let, let our uh, listeners check that out. That'd be very cool. Um, Alright, so uh, Dean Wells, yeah. Uh, that is what I have. And there you have it. Okay. There we have it, folks. Sweet. Horror news for this week. <laughs> All right, Dean, you're up. This is your pick. We're having a nightmare. We're at summer camp. What are we doing? We are. We very much are having a summer camp nightmare from 1987, as the uh, King of Horror uh, was so kind to tell us at the top of the show. Uh, Initial release, April 17th, 1987, uh, directed by Burt L. Dragon, uh, starring uh, Charlie Stratton, Chuck Connors, uh, the late Harold Pruitt, uh, Stuart Rogers, Melissa Reeves, uh, Doug Toby, and others, uh, takes place in a, Tom Fridley, uh, takes place in a, in a, in a sleepaway summer camp, and the, uh, it's a boys camp, and after... Some, some news about Mr. Connors, the, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Mr. Warren, the, played by Chuck Connors, the, the head of camp. Uh, the boys decide to take over the camp, uh, which at first seems like a great idea, but ultimately leads to some harrowing results. My name's not Warren. <laughs> His name isn't Warren. My name is a fucking Warren. <laughs> so what did you and think Dean, of the movie, uh, Dean? Yeah, I was going to say, what did you think well, of it? I know you have some VHS still. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me, uh, just, just, some, just some background for, for how this pick uh, came to pass. Because, uh, you know, Please. in the spirit of the thing, you know, it's not necessarily something that I truly consider a horror movie. Um, you know, there's a couple of elements of horror here and there, but this is more of like a kind of suspense thriller, or you could even call it a comedy, but um, drama. you know, this is one of those films that, you know, released in 1987, very short theatrical run, uh, but then found a tremendous pair of legs when it came to cable TV, and uh, maybe not to, not to me as, um, as encompassing and uh, wide-ranging as Beastmaster, uh, but for whatever reason, <laughs> at, at the right time, <laughs> Uh, this movie was on one of HBO Showtime uh, or Cinemax like like a million times. 
of which I watched it like yeah. roughly a million times. Uh, there was a period of time where this movie was <laughs> essentially on all day, every day. And as one who has spent um, almost every summer of my life uh, in a in camp of some form or another, both as a kid and as a counselor, uh, uh-huh. with my most recent uh-huh. summer as legitimately being last summer, um, and the summer before that, and the summer before that, and the summer before that, and the previous three summers before that, uh, you know, camp movies, you know, speak to me in a lot of different ways, all kinds of camp movies. Uh, so I just absolutely love Summer Camp Nightmare. Uh, a piece of news, as I had been talking to you guys off the show, I've been communicating with uh, Stuart Rogers, who played Stanley Runk, otherwise known as Runk the Punk. Uh, he is in <laughs> Los Angeles and has a, a pretty well-renowned acting school. Uh, and we had some communications, and he was thrilled with the idea of us talking about Summer Camp Nightmare. Uh, he had talked about doing a phone interview or him joining us for a portion of our show this evening, uh, but unfortunately his teaching schedule, because like any school, he's doing everything online right now, uh, wasn't going to allow in the short time between uh, Saturday or Sunday this past weekend and tonight. But one thing that he did talk about uh, you know, he talked about some of the other characters and his belief that uh, they might have some interest in, uh, you know, participating in some type of larger format uh, podcast. So what he is doing is gonna he's gonna reach out to some of those people, notably uh, Adam Carl, Samantha Newark, Tom Fridley, and Melissa Reeves. Wow! And uh, talk to them about whether or not they have any interest in uh, doing like a like a summer camp reunion podcast special. Uh, and everybody getting an opportunity to talk about it. Uh, the first person that I actually reached out to when I got this idea was Charlie Stratton, uh, who played Franklin Riley. Um, he did, uh, I, I reached out to him on Instagram. I saw he saw my message, but uh, Stuart Rogers said, don't count on Charlie Stratton responding. I guess he's gone on to, to have some uh, kind of important directorial career of, of, of note. Um, but anyway, uh, you know, Summer Camp Nightmare is one of those that, yes, I can look at it and see all of the flaws, but, uh, you know, with a critical eye, but I can't use those eyes when I watch this film because I just, this is one that I just, I absolutely love. Uh, seen it a million times when I was a kid and when I was uh, downsizing all of my shit, my VHS, my CDs, my DVDs, all of that stuff, there was just no way that I could part with this. And it's still, it's one of just a couple of VHS tapes that I still own as I uh, sent the picture last week and posted up on the Instagram. Page. So uh, there you have a little <laughs> bit of my personal background with Summer Camp Nightmare. Well, and also, oh, uh, Dean, man. if I'm if I'm not mistaken, this was your first exposure to punk rock, because uh, Fears uh, Deep Blue is being well, featured well, in the. Well, summer I country? wouldn't. Yeah, so that's what led to this pick. Actually, is that uh, you know the monkey and I were having a conversation about music, and and uh, punk music came up, and uh, I wouldn't say that this movie was my first exposure to punk music, but for some reason, uh, you know the the song the beef. Baloney song that's performed at the talent show. Beep, 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 baloney. Uh, yeah, man. She don't want no chicken. She don't want no roast. She just wants a double dose. Uh, so anyway, uh, she don't want salami. She don't want pastrami. Uh, she don't want no chicken. She don't want no roast. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, that song was performed by a, a, a punk band uh, called Fear. And uh, Fear is a very legendary kind of not fully underground, but kind of off the beaten path uh, punk band. And, uh, you know, Beef Baloney was one of their songs. Uh, John Belushi was a big fan of that group and even got the them Saturday up on the spot Saturday Night Live, 
which you can watch on YouTube, which is notable for the fact that they absolutely trashed the place. And, and uh, about Donald the, Pleasant. That episode. Yeah, the, the lead performer uh, of Fear was a you know, stage name, Lee Ving, uh, is none other than Mr. Body in the movie Clue, uh, as, well as, yeah. as well as some other uh, notable film appearances. Uh, so he, he parlayed his, his fearness into a, um, you know, into a film career as well. And, uh, you know, my side story that I was going to share about that, because it is one of the, you know, the most fun scenes in the movie, is that in, in the Haight-Ashbury in San Francisco, uh, there is a legendary beer bar that's been there for a million years. It's called the Coronado. It's cash only, and they have been serving all kinds of crazy craft beers since before craft beer was even a thing. Uh, when they have the most angry, surly bartenders, uh, like the, un, the unwritten rules are you don't ask for a sample, uh, you don't hem and haw, that like when you get up to the bar and get the bartender's attention, have your money ready and know what you want and don't make small talk and don't waste any time. And, and I've been there several times. Uh, it's a great bar. And, uh, you know, and it's true about that, about the, the bartenders. Like it's, it's like all of the, all that lore about that place. It's totally true, but uh, they have a jukebox. I was in there having a couple beers and saw they had one of those uh, CD or, you know, digital jukeboxes. And I went and was scanning yeah. and it's all, you know, it's all like punk music and metal and shit like that. And, uh, and there was fear and I saw B. Filoni and I, so I put it on and, uh, you know, I put it on and I'm like, there with my beer and I'm like this is fucking awesome I'm living and I'm playing the song and the fucking the bartender like all his surliness like went away and he looked at me and he smiled and he said good choice on this one I love this song and uh, and then like kind of went right back to his dour expression and went on down the bar to serve someone else it was a cool fucking moment at the bar um, but anyway awesome. uh, so yeah uh, B. Filoni <laughs> the talent show is just fucking hilarious that's awesome. I mean, that, I love fear. Living in the city is one of my favorite fear songs, but Beef Maloney is a, a good second choice. Um, but well, what do you think about Summer Camp Nightmare? Yeah, this is my first time watching this one. It'll be my only time watching this one. Um, I mean, again, maybe if I would have seen this as a kid, I would have really liked it or appreciated it or saw all those things. Maybe if I like, I, I want to say that maybe if I went to sleepaway camp or, or something like that, but you know what? That's not true because I can watch, you know, sleepaway camp and completely appreciate all of the nuances in that movie. I can watch meatballs and appreciate all the nuances in that movie. Hell, I can watch meatballs too and fucking appreciate all the nuances in that this oh, that was a fun like, movie. <laughs> oh, this one just killed me. It was dull. I was waiting for something to fucking happen. I don't know. There isn't a death in this movie until well into an hour or so. Um, and then there's only one more following that. And that's, uh, yeah, I mean, look, like I said, it, it just wasn't what I was expecting to see. It wasn't what I thought it would be. I was expecting something different, and it is what it is. Do you think that you could find the nuances on Meatballs 3 Summer Job? I did not see see Meatballs 3. Sorry. Oh, man. You're fine. You don't need to Because that's the one where the porn star has to earn her wings, and she has to go back down and get the nerd at the camp blade. Yeah, and it had the chick from the MASH movie in it. But... Oh, uh, yeah, getting back Sally, to the Sally movie. Yeah. And, and the nerd is and the nerd is Patrick Dempsey. Yeah. 
It's so fun. <laughs> okay. But, All right, yeah. so, Michael, um, what do you think about Summer Camp Nightmare? Okay, this was my first time seeing this movie as well. Like the Dean, I grew up going to summer camp, so I fucking love all movies about summer camp. It's like it's just something about that escapism as a kid and going to a place where, you know, there are almost no rules. You know, you go hang out, you hang out with the counselors, you do what you're supposed to do with the counselors, and then the rest of your day is complete freedom, which I think is a great thing for kids as you're growing up is to be able to have that freedom out there, you know, in the woods and do shit, get in trouble, all that kind of shit. Um, you know, but there are counselors there to make sure you don't fucking die. All right. And I just love summer camp. Um, this, uh, it's like, again, I was thrown off because, because again, we are a horror show and I was expecting like the cool said more of a horror movie. And what I got was a weird ass, um, after school special meets meatballs meets Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies meets, uh, meets how to throw a coup. Um, meets how to establish a dictatorship. Yeah, um, Nowhere is a great example. And, and while on the flip side, though, it's odd how the <clears throat> excuse me the dean's pick is so appropriate for what is happening right now. And, um, like, preach, monkey, preach. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And the thing about this movie that that happened is, like, in retrospect, like, at first I was like, what the fuck did I just watch? But then going back and then checking it out in my head and stuff like that, it's seeing how intelligent um, Donald Poultry is in this movie and what he goes through to establish his own dictatorship in this place. Is it a horror movie? I wouldn't say so. I would just seriously stick with it's a really fucked up after school special. But I but I did find it entertaining after going back and really really thinking about it. Hmm. All right, the monkey. What did you think? Hmm. <laughs> and it's Camp Nowhere. Is that the one with Christopher Lloyd, by the way? Yes, yeah. it is. Yep. Yeah. The hair of the old man. Dog heavyweight too. After they get rid of Tony Perkis. <laughs> um, no, I, I, uh, I talked about it on the group chat. The one chick oh, and that Kim Nowhere? Such a, such a fucking crush on her, man. And she got, like, hotter and she got older, too. That's that's the cool thing. The blonde? Uh, no, no. I'll, I'll send the picture. It's easier. Okay. All right, King, what All do you right, think so of anyway, movie, man? Yeah, uh, when I grew up, I went to Cub Scout Camp, Quail Hill in New Jersey, uh, for a little while. You know, so it was like a day camp, but it was very structured, where like you had different classes and shit. Uh, so it wasn't like this camp, where it's like you can just do whatever you want and fucking hang out. You know, it's, it's very structured. And then when I get older, I worked there as a counselor, so I went to the overnight aspect of it, and it was it was cool. But uh, this is a movie that I rented back when I was in junior high. And I ended up keeping it. I just forgot that I had it. <laughs> and, you know, I, it got lost along the way. But, yeah, I think to say that it's kind of like an after-school special is appropriate. Uh, to say that it's kind of like a drama is appropriate. Uh, I see it online labeled as horror, and it's not. I mean, the, it's not even really horror adjacent. It's more of a drama. It's more of a thriller. Um, and like the, the monkey had said, it's very apropos to what's going on right now with the revolution aspect of it. Um, and just uh, setting up a, kind of like a dictatorship, you know, with people in power and the underlings 
finding out what's going on and, and wanting to separate it. Um, but it, it, is it a bad movie? No, I wouldn't say that. But it's just, it's hard to put it in the horror category uh, because there really is only two deaths, like the uh, the ghoul had said, in the entire movie. So it's not like a slasher. So calling it Summer Camp Nightmare, you know, the alternate title was The Butterfly Revolution because that was based on the book of the same name. Kind of wish it had gone that way rather than uh, Summer Camp Nightmare because that makes you think it's a slasher, which is what I thought when I rented it way back in the day. Of the Butterfly Revolution, and we do have, you know, the brief talk about Mr. Warren and his butterfly board, his butterfly walk. Uh, you know, I actually, until I was doing my, you know, some additional research for tonight's episode, I, I actually wasn't even aware that this was based on a book. So I added, I added mm-hmm. it to my list of, uh, you know, my my ongoing list of my movie book projects that I think I actually talked about last week. Um, but I'm yes, curious to. To, to read it and see if, you know, if that's more of a, if, if that kind of character and that butterfly stuff has more of a, a role, because that was so just kind of briefly touched on in the film. Much more of a Lord of the Flies book, because I did read it a couple of years ago. Much more in line with Lord of the Flies. Uh, the movie is very loosely based on the book itself, so if you ever get around to reading it, you'll see it. It's nothing like the movie. It's just kind of loosely taking some things from the book and incorporating it into the movie. Uh, but it's still a good read, a quick one. Um, but, I, you know, it's, I like the feel of it. I like the camp aspect, Camp North Pines, you know, where it's like everybody's so excited to get there, riding on the bus to get into camp, singing their songs, which if I was going to camp as a kid, I would have been fucking pissed off because I fucking hate those stupid songs. Hey, everybody around here, the wheels on the bus and shit. No, I'm going to get the fucking camp. I love camp songs, man. <laughs> I hate them. I know I'm I always do. And I want to say, I think, me personally, the the reason I had, like, such an after-school special about this is because of the constant narration that was constantly put into the movie instead of just letting the movie happen. Like, I, don't, I, I really didn't think the narration was needed. Like, maybe the, it was just trying to tie it to the book or catch Very you up on what the fuck you were obviously messing. Yeah, it's like, I didn't think the narration was needed at all. Yeah, I mean, in a way it helped, but yeah, Donald as the guy, as the kid, I should say, giving the narration, but he's also taping the entire time, so he's talking to this big-ass 80s recorder to give all his <laughs> thoughts on what's happening, you know, in the camp. It worked in a way, but it's like he's obviously the nerd with his glasses, and he's got his big-ass briefcase with his computer. Nerd! <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, and, yeah, Stanley Runk, probably my favorite character in the movie. So I was glad that the uh, <laughs> Dean got to talk to him because he is, to me, he's the highlight because he's the guy that just wants to fucking party all the time. Like he doesn't care what's going on in the camp. Mm-hmm. He just wants to have a good time. He wants to get some pussy. And that's it. Well, you, it. Know, <laughs> you know, we're here. When I, it's camp. One of the things, uh, you know, that, that stands out to me that, that even now, even watching it now, um, you know, the, I started my first year uh, at a one particular camp that I did a very long stretch of years in. It was 1983 or 1982. Um, and at the time I was, uh, you know, maybe seven, I, I don't know, something like that, uh, six or seven. And, um, you know, went to that camp all through the rest of the 80s, uh, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, uh, you know, the late 80s, you know, turning turn 13. In 1989, and you know those characters, those counselors, those the, the that you know uh, 
the, the CITs, if you will, um, mm-hmm. you know, Runk Punk and, and, and the rest of those guys. Chris, uh, you know, those yeah. actors, like that, that was the 80s, man. Like, that's what the fucking camp yeah. counselors were like. Uh, you know, they just wanted a party. <laughs> And like, just like the, 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 and granted, it's a totally different time, but like, just like the free on, like ogling of, of chicks and wanting to get laid and granted the camps Woo! that I went to were not like separate, like, uh, Five uh you know, chicks. like, uh, going down south, um, chicks, you know, the camp. um, but like that, like some of those things are just so accurate to, time and to what summer camp was like. Mm. Yeah, it's like, oh, yeah. and I agree with you, and I agree with you, Dave, because the uh, the camp I grew up with, we didn't have a boys' camp and a girls' camp. We had a co-ed camp, but yeah, when it came nightfall and you know it was lights out, we were always trying to sit there and see what we could do to raid the girls' cabin, you know. <laughs> and the counselors were usually helping us, you know, like you said, the CITs, they were in on that shit too. <laughs> yeah, man. Look, I, I, I can rattle, I can rattle off like real names. Like, in, like when I was like kid, like these guys were my fucking heroes. Like fucking Robbie Hodes, and Dave Velasco, and Jeff Cooper, and Richie Matasoff. Like, like I fucking remember these fucking guys. Like they were fucking legends at camp. Um, so, uh, that's one of that's one of those things that just you know when I watch a movie like this, it just it brings me. One, it brings me back to being a kid and watching it a million times, but also brings me back to, like, just being a kid and having, like, the best summers of my life at camp. And because uh, yeah. you do have the adults of the film, because you have Ed Hines, who is, like, a poor man's O.J. Simpson, you know, playing the one guy in the movie. He was, like, a, a counselor. Then you have Caldwell, who looks like Martin Cove on a good day. You know, they're, like, the adults in this movie that are just there to – have a good time. Including Caldwell, who's got the vodka in the cup. I was like, good. I like that. <laughs> you know, no alcohol on camp. And you see him real yeah. slyly yeah. pouring the vodka into the cup. <laughs> the athletic director just pouring this shit, man. <laughs> Not even <laughs> sipping, just fucking pouring. <laughs> and so, but I thought yes, this as, movie, yeah. As, yeah. as ahead, camp dude. director, uh, Mr. Warren, we have Chuck Connors. Um, yeah, fucking Chuck Connors. My name's yeah. not Connors. What's that? <laughs> but Chuck Connors is name Warren. He is the camp counselor, you know, the camp director. A, I a, love him. He had a, a crazy life. Um, not mm-hmm. only is he one of 13, uh, 13 athletes to play both Major League Baseball and in the NBA, yeah. he's also no shit. Okay. Uh, was the series lead on a very famous Western series, The Rifleman. Hell yeah. As well, as well as many other notable film and TV roles, uh, you know, including Chorus Trap, so had a had a had a crazy, a crazy successful and and colorful life. And I have no idea. My introduction to Chuck Connors actually comes from uh, not from The Rifleman, but from the uh, from another TV series he did called Branded. Um, there was a period of time where, like, when I would wake up early mornings on, I think it was either it was either Saturday or Sunday. If I woke up at around like four four thirty a.m., you'd have Branded on television, and again, it's when I lived in New York, so all I had was a regular TV. And then uh, uh, Grizzly Adams was the other one. Um, so, or maybe not Grizzly Adams. Whichever one of those was a TV show about a man and his fucking bear. Grizzly Adams. Yeah, <laughs> Grizzly Adams. Well, Adams Adam Brandon and Grizzly Adams. Adams did have a beard. No, a bear. A bear. Not a beard. 
No, it's, it's, it's a fucking line from another movie about the Adam. Oh, well, see, there you go. <laughs> okay. But he was but also yeah, in, we, he was in Silent Green. He was in a lot of shit, yep, man. Mm-hmm. And he's a great choice here for Mr. Warren, you know, who is weeding over this camp where he's just very no-nonsense, you know, no alcohol, no smoking. The TV's only going to play religious shit. You know, they, they noticed that he was the principal of a high school at one point, so they're like, yeah, I know who that fucking guy is, and he sucks. So he's just trying to turn this camp into what he wants, but he's obsessed with butterflies. And butterflies. Reminds me of Gene Warner from Animal House. No fun of any kind. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And I love the fact that you have Camp South Pine, which is the girls' camp, which the only way to get there is to go over the Indiana Jones and Sepulchre Doom Bridge, because that's the <laughs> only way you're going to be able to get there. <laughs> and it becomes sort of a trick where Franklin is the one to go, I could do it. I could climb over it. Whatever, bro. And I get, show us, do it. He's like, yep, easy did done. <laughs> he only did half of it. He didn't do the whole thing. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, I thought the same thing too. It's like no one actually does the whole thing. <laughs> For some reason, they always just turn halfway around. But then, like you said, on the flip side, it's like you have North Pines, which is now becoming very strict because of the the new leader. You know, he's very evangelistical. But then you have South Pines, which is the women's camp or the girls' camp, and they're, they're all fucking loosey-goosey over there. It's like, you know, they're, they're, you know, when it comes time for doing talent shows and meeting up with the boys and shit like that, their, their counselor is all about, yeah, hook them up. Let, let, let them get together. <laughs> yeah. And, and let's do some saucy numbers for, for the talent show, you know, while Mr. Warren is all, you know, no, no, no. <laughs> and he has his meditation at the talent show. What's that? that was a great talent show. The girls of South Pines, <laughs> man, they put on a highly charged uh, performance at the talent show. <laughs> yeah, they had Madonna up there. They had Cindy Lauper. Like, you know, they were going all in, you know, with their bit. Well, <laughs> yeah. well, well, well on top of all that, what you, all, what you also had was you had Jem from Jem and the Holograms in there, too. Truly yeah. outrageous. Because, yeah. Because one, because one of the chicks for there did the voice acting for the 80s cartoon Gem. And she also did some voice acting for Transformers as well. Yes, she did. She was a great voice actor back in the 80s. The one that was uh, Chris's <laughs> girlfriend in the movie. <laughs> Turned out. Yeah, and it's so funny. She was 80s. She totally had the hots for that chick back in the day. <laughs> With, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Chris's girlfriend. Yeah, yeah Debbie. Um, it's it's just so funny as they as they're all like meeting each other and like the girls are performing the song and it's just so fun. Like the dudes are all like, like like biting their fucking mouths and falling off the fucking chair. It's fucking hilarious their fucking reactions as they're watching this stupid fucking song. But um, yeah, and the horrible yeah, man, choreography. I have to look it up, but I think. <laughs> And Ghoul, maybe maybe this will uh, maybe there'll be a, a memory here for you. I have to. I'm just gotta. I gotta go in and find out the name of the actress of the dark-haired one, uh, the one that uh, Runk the Punk was getting with. Um, okay. Uh, I think she might be the girl uh, who Lewis, the the Mega Moo that Lewis danced with at the at the party. Oh, she was pretty hot. I mean, someone came that man. I gotta yeah, look it up. She was also the, uh, the only one. Right semi, she was the only one semi-cute Mega Moo at the party too. But yeah, um, <laughs> more like Runk the Hunk. Am I right, ladies? Woo! <laughs> 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 
But yeah, yeah it's like, and again, they do they do a great job of capturing all the '80s fashion. You know, the cut off shirts, the you know short shorts, whether it's a boy, or, <laughs> whether it's a boy or a girl, because that's how it was in the summer camp in the '80s. Everyone just had the short shorts. <laughs> But it wasn't just yeah. like, uh it wasn't did I remember those fucking it wasn't shorts ju- from when I was in fucking school as a kid, dude. That shit was a nightmare. <laughs> in fucking Staten Island, man. That was like, like our gym attire. Fucking shorts are your fucking dick would like be hanging your dickhead be hanging out the fucking bottom side of it, man. Fuck yeah. With, with, a, with a with a with a with a shirt cut over your belly button? Short shirt? No, you know what? I, I I never went for that whole fucking weird football fucking look, man. I know that was like a whole football thing back in the day. It was a whole thing in the fucking eighties, man. I was a hyper color fucking kid, man. Oh, you had fucking hyper colors. <laughs> <laughs> um, what's interesting though is it's not just the fact that Mr. Warren, you know, he he's just uh, very militant in what he wants with his camp. It's also what brings it on is the fact that you have Peter who goes on a butterfly hunt with Mr. Warren, and he lifted him oh. up way too high for way too long. And so now you have Runk the Punk thinking that maybe he was being a little fruity and trying to do something with Peter that's inappropriate. So that's where you get the gears turning of, well, we have to do something about this fucking guy. You know, he didn't just shut down the talent show. Yeah. He didn't just create the meditation center so he could be punished. This yeah. guy's got to fucking go, yeah. bro. <laughs> well, it's, yeah. yeah. Well, it was Frank. It was Franklin that talked to Peter, though. And you know, was, and yeah. Franklin told yeah, and for, and Franklin told Peter, whatever you told me, don't tell anyone else. So then Franklin, Peter, excuse me, t- t- uh, takes <laughs> Peter. Peter's Peter. <laughs> Peter, Peter Franklin Peter. took Rump to the side. But was he and a told him. <laughs> But yeah, um. You know, took Runk to the side and told him, and now he starts to form this stuff about, you know, Mr. Warren's got to go down because he's apparently doing some shit with the kids. This shit is not cool. And then he instructs Runk, you know, no, whatever I told you, don't tell anyone else. This is between us, and we're going to fucking handle it. Yeah, we know that there's a gun in the administration office, so we're going to take that, and we're going to take advantage of the Kent counselor. Uh, you know, campers switch day. You know, when at first it's all fun and everything like that, but it's that's when Runk and John Mason, who I knew from Friday the 13th Part 6, he was a guy that had the exaggerated sex in the RV, and then Jason pours the fucking hunting knife into his forehead. That's all I knew him from, though, was Friday the 13th Part 6. What's Court doing right now? Um, <laughs> he's, teaching the kids about Native, he's teaching the kids about Native Americans You know, you put the stones here And then, you know, the guy can find his way home And that's just how it goes, you know He would find his way to his tribe And, you know, uh, yeah, that's, 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 that's how we do it over here you he know, rock and either, man. <laughs> let's, let's say he's oh, done man. with his, his old lady His squaw, you know Or he wants like a, a new chick or something <laughs> Well, then he puts a pile of rocks over here You know, because this way he's a kid <laughs> You know, he wants to go learn how to, like, shoot some buffalo or some shit like that. Oh, <laughs> man, that's seen him in the RV. Court, court is when, he's awesome. dr- <laughs> when he's in the RV and his girlfriend gets killed, he's like, Whoa, baby, what you doing back there? You get wild? <laughs> yeah, man. What are you taking? He goes, what are you taking, a dump? <laughs> <laughs> 
and he's turning up the Alice Cooper, but it's not going any louder. It's just still at the same level. And he's well, yeah, a rock baby. But he was in Iron Eagle well, also. He, yeah. Okay, well there you go. I've only seen that once. He was one of uh, so, he was one of so like Notchers. He was one of Notchers two goons. <laughs> okay. Um, but yeah, this camp counselor versus uh, campers turns deadly when they decide to take all the, the counselors and lock them up in the meditation center where it's like, we own the camp, everybody. Woo! Fucking get the South Pine girls over here. Put there, party. And it's like the realistic part where it's like, okay, the kids are on the camp now. So now it's just all about partying, you know, drinking beers and just getting all this action. So, I mean, it's a. Uh, you know, this is what they would do, just like, you know. But Franklin's gears are turning, where it's, he has his idea of what he wants to do for this camp. And that's where you get to see him starting to take over as more of a dictator, uh, more of a tyrant, you know, assigning different, uh, different levels to people, making captains and security guards. And it quickly turns from partying to, wow, this guy sucks. Yeah. Well, we have this weird kind of moment where, as things are changing, like it, it goes almost to, like from you, see, you have the coup, and then it takes a slight step to Colt. Cuckoo, cuckoo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And 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 then it switches gears into dictatorship. Very quickly. Yeah. Where it's like they're Indeed. all partied out, but they don't they don't mm-hmm. see it because they're all partied out. Like they're all just been partying too much, so Donald, he kind of sees it happening, where he sees this change in Franklin, where he's becoming more militant in his actions and creating the camp that he wants. Right, which is when he tries to get together with Chris as they try to get communications out of the camp, because again, you know, he knows how to do computery shit, you know, Chris just knows how to climb shit. Because he's a nice kind of jockey guy, <laughs> so they climb on the roof and try and dial out of the camp, try and call the police, try and get somebody. But that's when they both get caught. Yeah, and they eventually are are the traitors, according to Franklin. You know, uh, Chris and and the Heather are the traitors. Don't talk to them. Don't look at them. You know, they they just are ousted. You know, as traitors. Um, then they have the huge party where Runk and John Mason decide that they're going to take uh, Mr. Warren out of the pen, as they call it now, not the meditation center, and show him what's happened to the camp. Like, you know what he's so fucking boss, dude? If we fucking take him out and show him what's happened, we should do that. Like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, Runk didn't realize how fucking strong Mr. Warren is. <laughs> well, he's fucking badass, man. Even fucking tied up. He's like fucking... You know, all fucking military and shit like that, beating the shit out of people with only one fucking leg. <laughs> it, it was a great scene, him and Ronk, where he's just like, oh, "Fuck you, kid!" And fucking just kicking him <laughs> with his hand tied. <laughs> yeah, locked his locked his legs around Ronk's neck. He's got got him in a fucking chokehold while his arms are tied behind his back and shit. <laughs> it is so fucking. But we get our first death in the movie. Of Mr. Warren being stabbed accidentally by Runk. And he's like, oh, fuck, that's so not rad. The fuck am I going to do? I'll tell Franklin. I'll tell Franklin what happened. He's like, dude, that sucks. Just put his body by the capes. 
Don't tell anybody what happened. <laughs> we don't need them to know. <laughs> okay, but but on the flip side, you see him start to unravel a little bit too here because he was not planning on anyone getting hurt. And according to what he was telling everyone else, this was only supposed to last a couple of days, you know, and then the fun would be over and everything would return back to normal, you know. And so he tells him, dump him in the caves, dump him deep in the caves, you know, so hopefully things will go. Apparently there's caves here. We don't see them, but apparently <laughs> nope. this camp has everything. Dean, did any of your camps have fucking caves too? <laughs> No, my my camps didn't have. There were no caves. Uh, my sleepaway camp, my sleepaway camp had, uh, you know, multiple uh, off the beaten path trails through the woods that zigged and zagged all through the woods that would like empty off to like different parts of the lake. Um, you know, they were definitely good trails to kind of traverse that counselors wouldn't be around. So like, if you were sneaking off to do something you weren't supposed to do or you wanted to like make out with your girlfriend, like you would go, like you would just go into the trails, um, you know. But there was no caves um, that, that I can recall. Mm-hmm. Okay. And at this point, okay, but yeah, you have the Supreme Revolutionary Committee. Donald's named the director of propaganda, and of course, like we had <laughs> said, you have Chris and Heather as the traitors, and you shouldn't be talking to them. So, like we had said, you know, Franklin's unraveling, where he's turning this into a revolutionary camp. You know, this is his idea, this is what's going on, and everybody, for the most part, pretty much falls into their positions. As guards, as captains, you know, even Donald, for a little while, falls into his role as the director of propaganda. Uh, they do have that one scene I love of them writing postcards home, where the one kid's like, hey, mom, hey, dad, having a great time, this place rules. Talk to you soon. And then the one kid's like, oh, man, there's guns, there's sex, there's people fucking dying. Like, this place is just fucking amazing. He's like, uh, no, no, copy what the other kid wrote. <laughs> That's what we're sending home. <laughs> you know, but what's, you know, what's, what's, uh, what's great about that part is, and Keith brought the, the sorry, the ghoul uh, brought this one up before. Uh, and when that kid is reading off the, the letter he's writing home, uh about what's happening at the camp, uh, it very, very, very much reminds me, and this is one of those most iconic car images burned into my brain, it very much the reminds box. me of the box of the Sleepaway Camp movie. Mm-hmm. Of the mm-hmm. one with the hand holding the bloody knife going through the shoe, and the back oh, box yeah. is like yeah. a dear mom and dad letter home from camp. And it's like, yeah, uh, there's a killer, and people are getting stabbed to death, and a girl was being mm-hmm. mur- you know, like, when that, so I just I always think of that, you know, when, when that kid writes that letter. It remi- always reminds me of the, the Sleepaway Camp cover. Well, even the VHS box for Summer Camp Nightmare has the letter at the top of the box where it says, Dear Mom and Dad, the camp director is dead. The camp counselors are locked up, having a great time. Love, Marvin. <laughs> you know, at the top of the box. And, uh, I mean, you know, and you could uh, tell me if I'm wrong, Dean, if I read the top of that VHS box. But I believe there is a little letter. Uh, it's being written home yeah, right. by right. some kid named Marvin. Who you never get introduced yeah. to in the movie. It's just a random character. Um, but we also get introduced to Lori, who is the love interest of Donald, where she's like, check you out. Love those classes. He's sexy. You want to dance? <laughs> I don't know how. I could teach you. He's like, cool, baby. <laughs> I was like, damn, even Donald's getting some in this movie. <laughs> even the nerd. You know, he's got this blonde little girl who's like, I'm all about Donald. He's so cool. <laughs> 
he he's part of the committee, you know. <clears throat> and again, yeah, he's the director of propaganda. Yeah, but being part of the the committee is good for him because like he's such a little nerd type kid that like. You know, like a cute, like a cute girl like that usually wouldn't be interested in a little nerd like Donald. Oh no, not at all. Yeah, but she is just all about it. Like big dick swinging Donald now. <laughs> he's got power. <laughs> you know, the director of propaganda. You know, she's all about him. And then when he gets to the dance, all the girls are like, "Oh my God, Donald! Look at you with those tight jeans on. Look at that dick." Um, <laughs> man, Donald's getting some attention over here at this dance. He's a good is that cool. corduroy? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't want to see how many buttons are there. <laughs> but after the dance is over, you have John Mason going away with Debbie down to the woods where he tries to get a little bit too handsy and uh, decides to sexually assault her, which you shouldn't do ever. We're not advocating that ever. Don't do it. But no. in this movie, it's done. And John does the whole thing of, well, she was asking for it. She wanted the dick. And he's like, don't really believe you. So, yeah, I don't know, <laughs> John, if, if that's what you're telling me. Because Franklin wants to know what happened. So, of course, you know, he just lies about the whole thing. And that's when we have to go into the punishment. And what should it be? There were good people on both sides. <laughs> oh, <my God. laughs> John just grabs him by the pussy. They don't even ask for it. They just, he just goes up and does it. <laughs> yeah. John's so cool that they could just do it. Yeah, because when you're a rock star, you know, you can do that kind of stuff. make those kind of noises, you know? That's just how it is. (laughs) The generation of no um, means yes, and yes means anal. (laughs) (laughs) But it's one of those things where Debbie knows the truth. John's trying to act it off. Franklin decides that he has to do a trial by ordeal, which is you have to go to that bridge to get over to Camp South Pine, and if you make it there and back, you know, you're fine. You know, you can go free. But, of course, it's not going to be easy because they start throwing rocks at him, trying to make it hard. But he gets across, <laughs> and he's like, ta-da, whatever, ladies, am I right? <laughs> but then but I love the women in the scene. They're not fucking happy about it. So they end up carrying him <laughs> off into the woods, and Donald's like, we haven't seen him in days. I don't know what happened to him. Fucking guy, bro. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, this guy, he's gone. They don't know what happened to him. The girls carried him off, and I'm like, oh, I know what happened to him. He, he's dead. <laughs> Even before you see it. Yeah, they just decided to just take care of the job for the man, which I love. Yeah. Now, now, Dean, as all of this was happening, like while you were watching this as a kid and shit like that, what were your reactions watching this kind of shit happening in a movie as you were a kid? He came. Yeah. Okay. I'm not sure if he was a kid when he watched it. I think he was a little bit older, but it's great to see that the girls are taking charge and deciding that they're going to, you know, deal with him on their own. Um, And when Donald's running through the woods at one point, he ends up finding the shoe and then the body hanging and his jeans are all ripped. I was like, you know what? If they really wanted to go for it, they should have made it fucking rated R and just ripped his dick off. I would have loved to see this big yeah. bloody hole where his fucking dick was. Mm. That would have been fucking awesome. Him, they should have given him a death scene like the guy at the end of fucking Day of the Dead. Oh, yeah. Yep. 
rip them right in half. Oh, they show yeah, you know, it'd be like the, the women fucking raging out. They're pulling them to shreds. It, it gives you the dichotomy of him getting what, what he believes he, he wants, which is all these women, and them getting their revenge. You know, it's a win-win. Yeah. We, as our fans, would get a gore scene. Yeah, and at the same time, though, it's like, I for what we did get here, we're talking about 1987, and I like that they were willing to go that, you know, go that distance at least for, you know, kind of how weak this movie was, gore-wise and horror-wise, of letting the women stand up for themselves and take vengeance for a crime against them. Yeah, that was great. You know, they took it upon themselves to exact their justice on John Mason for what he did. You know, Frank was not going to do it. They're going to do it. So they're going to hang him, and, and that's it. I just, yeah, yeah I, I think yeah. it should have been more gory. They should have castrated him, stuck a dick in the mouth. Like, you know, do something. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> that guy got fucked up. Wow. The president a dick in the mouth. really put a lot of thought in that one, huh? Well, if they're women and they're pissed off that he's a rapist, they would have done that. Shoved it up his ass, put it in his mouth, <laughs> something. You know, to show that they were really pissed off okay. about it. But we don't quite get that. We get Donald running back and using his uh, technology to kind of hook up a phone that he can call outside to the police and say, fuck, we're in trouble. Somebody said help. Even though I'm afraid of heights, I'm not now. So that's cool. So let's just hey, call in the Sometimes you got to do what you got to do. I don't like heights either, but you know what? Sometimes you got to go up on that shit. Exactly. You got to. And I love Franklin's uniform at this point where it's just like the military green. <laughs> He's just got the utility belt. <laughs> so it's like his little dictator yeah. uniform. Yeah, little dictator uniform, but at the same time, again, this would be something that you you know, you guys would know better than me. I took this as also kind of like um <clears throat> excuse me, very Jonestown kind of moment kind of thing. Oh yeah. Yep. Very Jonestown. Yeah. Jim Jones. <laughs> the way that he would deal with people. Where he would just shoot him dead and just throw him in the jungle. And so they just try to escape yeah. and wait by tires. Yeah. He tried to pull that a lot when, when he was in charge. Everybody yeah, went against him. Like, I, they just tried to escape. Yeah, because I, th- I think Jim Jones supported a lot of that kind of stuff, too. You know, at that time, down in Jonestown and shit like that. So I was thinking that, especially because of all of the stuff about, like, all of the announcements over the PA systems and shit like yeah. that while yeah. all of this was going on as well. Yeah, and Jim Jones is also super high a lot of the times. When he was doing those announcements, so he was all hopped nah. up on cocaine, heroin, <laughs> and just they were. And at one point, they ended up unplugging the PA, so that he was still talking into it, but nobody could hear what he was fucking talking about because they were just so tired of hearing him talk twenty four hours a day. So, you know, they did do that, but this is at that point where they capture Donald for hooking up the phone, and they decide to put him through the trial by ordeal. But at this point, they're against Franklin, these campers. They're like, well, he didn't do anything fucking wrong. You know, he didn't rape anybody. You know, he didn't murder anybody. You know, he was just being Donald, you know. So maybe yeah. this isn't right that we make him go through this. And we shouldn't let uh, Donald have to hang off this bridge, you know, where they're all trying to help him as he's trying to traverse his bridge. It was a pretty tense scene. I liked it. Yeah, because, yeah. again, they're, well, they're, they're well, all starting to realize. Sorry, Ghoul, go ahead. No, I was just a great no, it, was, it was me, but uh, no, go ahead, finish your thought. Go ahead, go ahead. I don't have any thought, man. I'm good. <laughs> no, it was, it was me. It was, it was, it was me. Oh, sorry, Dean. 
No, you're saying that, that well, when, when, when Donald is crossing the bridge and everybody is starting to kind of come to their senses, um, you know, what, what, if, you really, if you go back and watch that scene, it's amazing. It's really a feat of strength for how long that Donald hang, hung on to that on. fucking rope uh, yeah. before, um, before uh, Chris was able to get there. Uh, that, that was just fucking endless going on forever and ever. Because at that yeah. point, Franklin also tries to get Runk to cut the ropes. So yeah. you're not getting off this. You're dying. And that's when the campers like, holy fuck. Like, Franklin really wants to fucking get dead. Like, we can't let this happen. So that's when Chris comes to the rescue. of like, I'm going to save you and get you off this thing. Mm-hmm. And right. And that's when Franklin. And one of the things that I'm looking forward to asking Stuart Rogers about is when the, when the Chris-Runk fight ends – it ends with uh, like Chris laying on his back and getting his foot onto Runk's chest and him like flinging Runk, Runk backwards over his head uh, down into yeah. the ravine. And if, when you go back and look at that sequence, like Runk goes fucking flying, like that's how he's yeah. flying through the air. Yeah. So obviously, yeah, it was like a uh, you know, so There's some kind of big inflatable something down below there, but I'm curious to ask him. Uh, like, if that was him or if that was a stuntman or, like, what the deal was with that sequence because he really went fucking flying there. Yeah, and that's when I thought that Runk was dead. I thought he got flung and he was dead. But then when the police start to arrive after Donald was saved by Chris, that's when you see Runk being led away by one of the cops, and he's like, climb up the fucking hill, let's go. And I was like, damn, he's still alive? <laughs> yeah, well, no, I didn't think he was the chest him. He goes, you're lucky you didn't die. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. You're lucky you're still alive, kid. (laughs) (laughs) But as the police arrive and they're trying to take stock of everything that happened, you know, everybody's running around and everything's crazy. I love when they have the one cop in the office and he's playing the tapes of Donald's, you know, recordings of everything that's happened. And Donald's like a fucking pimp. He's like, yeah, I want those back uh, when we're all done. I really like to have those back. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, we'll see. He's like, no, but just like copies. You know, for like, you know, remembrances of this past summer. <laughs> You're never getting those tapes back yet. That's evidence. <laughs> you know. And why would you want to remember that? <laughs> I'd want to put it so far in my fucking rear view. Not even funny. No, but, <laughs> you know, this summer. But, but you're right. He's all, like, in this moment, he's all big dick swinging, talking to the cop. Like, do you even know how to work a tape? You know? It's like, do you need me to show you? <laughs> Why he yeah, I'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. He's like, yeah, I got my bitch waiting for me. So she'd like those tapes, too. We're going to listen to them after we go back to school. Lori's my girl. <laughs> but when they're like, okay, well, you guys obviously, you guys can get on the bus and you guys can go home. Um, and then that's it. We're a wrap. When they show Franklin in the back of the police car, I'm like, why is he in handcuffs? Like, he's just sitting fucking comfortably fucking, you know, playing with the whistle. I'm like, they, they're just not going to him. Franklin, when he's in the back of the police cruiser. And he's no, playing no, with the yeah, because, because he's a rich kid. That's why. Mm, he's just gonna, yeah. You know, like you said, we got in touch with your parents in Europe and blah, 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 blah. He's going to get a slap on the fucking wrist. And, you know, Jets yeah. are the only money. Mm. A little more that. attention to me. But still, this guy's a fucking, you know, he's technically a criminal. You think they would handcuff him. And I was just wondering about that fucking police car, too, because it had no cage and the fucking seats were all fucking upholstered. I was like, I've never seen a fucking cop car <laughs> with upholstered fucking seats and no cage. And he's like, I'm going to close my window. 
Yes, but we're also talking about the 80s. We're also talking about cops in the middle of nowhere. You know, so they probably aren't used to having to use a cage or anything like that in their cars. You know, they might have, you know, middle of nowhere, you know, go go to Bubba's because he's drunk again. You know, get him squared away, hit him with the butt of your pistol, and then go home and hit cornhole homeless guy. (laughs) What's cool, too, is if you look in the background, you know, it's fuzzy, but in the background you can see the other cop car, and Debbie's in that car. So, you know, she's taking the ball with John Mason. Yep, I saw that. Which is, oh, I was wondering I about that too. I, I didn't see that. Okay, nice catch, guys. Yeah, the one thing I was wondering about was what happened to fucking Caldwell and Ed Hines, the other two fucking camp counselors. Like you never see them again <laughs> after they get put in the meditation center. It's like it would be great <laughs> if you saw them walking out, being like, "Man, that was a crazy month that we had." Want to get drunk? Yeah, man. You fucking <laughs> believe kids these days? <laughs> yeah. Motherfucker, man, kids <laughs> um, so Chris and Donald get to the bus And of course Lori's waiting there with Heather And he's like yes our guys are here Let's go Like, you know, I'm so happy to see them <laughs> Man Donald you're fucking the man <laughs> You know You got your girl You know Chris has his girl You know and let's leave this camp You know abandoned Which is a great yeah. shot That ending shot of the bus leaving I always like shots like that um, Friday 13th part 3 did a similar thing where it's like, let's show the camp after all the ambulances and after all the cops have arrived, like, left, and you're just left with nothing. Like, it's such an eerie, kind of creepy shot. Where it's like, now everything's quiet yeah. and everything's abandoned. Yeah. <laughs> you know, the idea of the emptiness of the place with, you know, like, the whole bit doesn't, you know, if a fucking tree falls in the woods, doesn't make a sound, you know? Well, what ghosts play in these places when nobody's there? Well, even the opening of some uh, Sleepaway Camp. Where you see the camp's been abandoned, but you still hear the kids like shouting in the background, overlaying the track. Like, all <laughs> yeah, these things are creepy. boarded up, and then it's so fucking creepy. Like one of the best openings, and then you see that the camp Arrowaxer for sale. Like it's just a great way to open that movie. Where it's like we're gonna go into the future, then we're gonna go into the past <clears> and show you what happened. I mean, to me, Sleepaway Camp still a highlight summer movie. Like that's mm. the ultimate, I think, mm. camp mm. horror film. Mm. Right, but at the same time, you know, we weren't sitting there actually calling this one a horror film, man. You know, we were calling this one, again, fucked up after school special, you know, fucked up thriller drama, you know, but none of us were actually calling this one straight up horror. Yeah, you know, and I said yeah. it that, you know, really a horror movie in the horror movie sense, but like, after like, after the discussion I had with the monkey, and I had, you know, I'd said it in that moment, I'm like, oh, that's going to be my next pick, so, you know, I just felt like I had to stick with it. I mean, I still like it. Don't, like I said, when, when I talked about it, don't get me wrong, I still like Summer Camp Nightmare. It's just that the title is misleading. You know, it makes you think that you're going to get so much more horror than actually get. This was a horrible situation. It was a horrific ordeal that these, these people dealt with, which that therefore classifies it as a horror film. You're good, man. You're all good. <laughs> yeah. I enjoyed it. I, I had fun with it, man. Yeah, yeah. man. And again. Yeah. I, you know, as always, you know, we pick, we, we do pick all kinds of titles that stretch the genre in every direction here on Talking Terror. So, you know, this this one I just I this is I this is one I was most excited about uh, in quite some time because, uh, you know, while I every once in a while I do go and just watch the Beast Maloney talent show scene when I need like a good chuckle or, or pick me up, <laughs> um, but I haven't I truly I haven't watched it from start to finish uh, in quite some time. 
so I w- it was it was like a like a, a very 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 uh, wonderful stroll down memory lane to, to watch this one and pull again. Uh, so I, I, I just you know thank you for my indulging me and in, in my pick. Absolutely, dude. Um, dude it's definitely a movie that I would definitely recommend to. I would definitely give it a light recommend for people to watch just to see a realistic look at camp that just fucking delves into fucking madness. I mean, that's the yeah, best way you know, I can say it. You know, it's definitely one of those that's like a, kind of like an 80s, yeah. 80s timepiece. Yeah. And, uh, you know, if you guys don't yeah. know, on a sad note, um, uh, Chris Wade, who was played by an actor named Harold Pruitt, uh, you know, passed away uh, in 2002 from an accidental uh, drug overdose at the age of 32. Um, Is that right? If you guys that's sad. That was kind of a bummer. No, I, I wasn't. Know that. No. Uh, doing some more and I thought he was pretty good in the movie. He was a pretty good hero, you know, for what we got. You know, pretty standard. You know, he was in some other, other, you know, roles. Like nothing, nothing major or notable. Mm. Um, but, you know, he, he, he had a small recurring role on the original mm. Party of Five. On, of the recurring role on Parker Lewis Can't Lose. So, you know, he had a few, oh, wow. few roles. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually oh, look at this. I, didn't, I, I must have overlooked this one. He played uh, Steve Randall in the the TV series version of The Outsiders when they made that TV wow. series. I think it was a Fox, I think it was a Fox uh, TV series. Yeah, it was on Fox. It lasted the wow. season, um, but he played Steve Randall. I had no idea. What I remember about that was that uh, David Arquette. David Arquette played uh, two roles <clears throat> in that one. <laughs> and of course, like we said, going back to Parker Rose with Billy Jacoby, it's like the fucking third week in a row we've been talking to Billy Jacoby on the show. Uh, if you're out there, Billy, and you're listening, we remember you. Funny <laughs> birthday, Parker Rose can't lose. <laughs> you know, Beastmaster from last week. <laughs> we are keeping your spirit alive <laughs> wherever you are, Billy Jacoby. <laughs> um, okay, so as we close out the show, uh, next week it is my turn to pick a movie. So. I'm driving us right back into fucking horror, getting right back into the nitty gritty, getting into the gory, getting into the Italian era of horror. So 1981's The Beyond, directed by Lucio Fulci. That is where we're going, because I am definitely on a Fulci kick recently, and I want to talk about this. It's available on Shudder, boys. If you have Shudder, I know, Monkey, you'll be able to find it. So let's get into some nasty Italian horror and go with The Beyond. Sweet. Right. Uh, again, game, again, uh, de- <laughs> well, there won't be beef only next week, but there will be some zombies getting fucking through. So we're going to go back to the horror realm next week. Dean, thank you for your picking as always. Like, I'm right beside you, man. I'm always about any movie that celebrates summer camp. So thank you for your pick, man. <laughs> All right. And we look forward to seeing you here back next week for some more horror news and what your fault is to be on. <laughs> All right. So, again, Monkey, thank you so much for joining us uh, and incorporating uh, all your madness and all your funniness to the podcast. <laughs> we'll see you back here next week um, when we discover some Italian horror. Yeah. And um, thanks for listening, guys. And again, like the Dean said at the beginning of the episode right now it can't be said any better than you know by the last person Ted that. Theodore Logan yeah he okay. did yeah, I'm talking to, just be excellent to each other okay that is all <laughs> good night everybody
All right, Ghoul, why don't you hear sort of plug as we close out tonight's episode? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'll keep it simple tonight. You know, go to, uh, to Etsy, all one word, Bonfire Beat Designs, uh, all kinds of handcrafted jewelry, uh, gemstones, earrings, bracelets, uh, necklaces, pendants, you name it, it's there. Uh, the Ghoul Girl is on, you know, on the job working her ass off every single day. Believe me, I know the shit's all over the place, and the greatest thing about (laughs) you guys buying it means that it gets off of the tables and off of the racks, and even though she'll continue to make more, it still, it moves it from point A to point B, which is hopefully in your heart. Uh, She is making some really cool pieces using some snakeskin right now, which are really awesome. They're coming out really, really cool. Uh, Definitely go on the page. Definitely go check them out. Uh, Again, all one word, Bonfire Bead Designs. Very cool. All right, hit us with that catchphrase as we close out. Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. Even better, stay safe. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better myself. We all want you to stay scared. We always want you to watch horror movies and find that thing that makes you either frightened or disturbed or you find a good gore movie. But stay safe and love your neighbor. We're all in this together. It's a crazy world right now, but we're going to make it through. Just make sure that you're putting love in your everyday and not hatred because life's too short to be full of hate. So love yourselves, hail yourselves, hail Satan, hail Odorous, and most of all, we look forward to seeing you next time. Yeah, and fuck you, Edward X. Young. <laughs> yeah, fuck him. Like, seriously. I mean, not to, not to put a capper on it, ghoul, but yeah, fuck Ed X. Young. And fucking vitriol on his hatred. He sucks. His movies suck. So don't even bother with it. Because Ed X. Young just canceled himself. <laughs> Damn! <laughs> He's like, yeah, Eric Young, you want to fuck with me? I'll fuck with you right back. That's why he's around my Facebook page, because I love fucking with him. (laughs) He wants to spit hate. I have no problem doing it. (laughs) What? What? You want to bring him, motherfucker? Oh, shit. (laughs) 